Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. The Promise. Six months later. Six-year-old Harmony lay on the floor with the door closed. Her favorite large teddy bear lay under her body. Using its nose, the largest and firmest part of the teddy... When, when people write about the sexualization of little kids, it, it irks me. It, it icks me out. It really, really. And I mean, like, when I talk about little kids, I mean, like, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. When the girl in uh, the cartel was having sex or was being assaulted, but also when she was having sex with that dude who taught her how to read and shit. That was off-putting to me. This is a six-year-old little girl that you're sexualizing by having her masturbate on a teddy bear. This... Like many young children, she had already discovered masturbation and felt all kind of chills run through her body before her Uncle Charles came into her room and ruined it all. Harmony, what are you doing? He said softly, closing the door behind him. Charles was a handsome man with deep-set eyes and dark chocolate skin. Yet his winning smile hid his sly and cunning ways. He had just... Oh, this is the motherfucker. How did he get out of prison? How did he get out of prison six months later? He raped... And murdered his baby six-month-old daughter. How is he out? The fuck is this book? Oh, my God. He had gotten out of prison for raping and killing his baby girl. And already he was up to his usual tricks while staying with his mother. Oh, uh, nothing, Uncle Charles. I was just, uh, Jess. Harmony jumped up. Charles smiled and walked deeper into the room. I know what you were doing, and it's okay. You're not going to tell Nana, are you? Harmony asked with wide eyes. No, I'm not. It'll be our little secret. But I want you to do something for me, too, he paused. And I'll teach you everything you need to know. Harmony didn't have a positive woman in her life to talk about what was happening. She was young, vulnerable, and afraid, and Charles prayed on every minute. After a while, he managed to convince her that it was okay to explore her body, just as long as she explored it with him. How did he get out of jail? 
How? And why would the mom allow this man to walk around? I know that they're really amping it up like the mom doesn't care about Harmony. And the grandma doesn't care about the mom. But the grandma seemed to care about Harmony. So, what exactly is this? Like, you know, like the grandma's making these horrible excuses for this man when he was in prison for murdering his daughter but you know what he did even if you're making excuses you still know what he did so why are you letting him around your granddaughter many days later harmony sat still in a room with her nose pressed firmly against the cold dirty window staring at jace life at shirley's had become unbearable charles had just left her room and molested her again telling her had she not explored her body on her own, he would not be doing those things to her, and that it was all her fault. And she believed him. She could still feel his hot breath against her ear and his rough, callous hands all over her young body. If only she could befriend Jace, who her uncle forbade her to speak to. Life might be worth living. Harmony, come here, her nanny yelled from the bathroom. Harmony stole one last look at Jace before seeing what Shirley wanted. Ever since Estelle went and got herself killed, a blessing Harmony was grateful for. Shirley treated her like a slave and it pissed her off. Right, her mama got murdered. Irma shot her in the face. Right. But her grandma wasn't treating her like that before this. Harmony, don't make me call you again. She looked at the bathroom door where Shirley was and thought about ignoring her. But the last time she did that, Shirley punished her for the entire weekend by making her stay in her room. Charles took full advantage of that time, too, by fondling her every day of her punishment. You got your welfare check already, Lola? Shirley said in the bathroom on the phone to her friend. Well, let me see if mine here, too. Yes, Nana? Harmony said, standing at the open bathroom door. Steam crept from the tub and carried with it the smell of soap, dirty pussy, and cigarettes. Bitch, what took you so long to answer me, she asked. I didn't hear you, she lied. I see you're going to make me start putting my hands on you. Where's Charles? He went to the store. Well, go outside and get my mail. I'm expecting my welfare check. Lola already done got hers. Okay, Nana, she said in a sweet voice, although rolling her eyes when she wasn't looking. With a chance to see Jace's honey-colored skin, curly hair, and cool disposition, she grabbed her coat, bolted out the door, and ran down the steps. The cold air attacked her body because it was the middle of December. Out of the corner of her eyes, she could see the way Jace's wavy hair shined under the winter sun and couldn't get over how cute he was. Callie, the neighborhood menace, was out there too. Jace Sherrod was cut from the same cloth as Harmony. They both grew up in lavish homes headed by notorious drug dealers. He was speaking to Brittany, the neighborhood freaky girl. Harmony wondered if Brittany was doing all the things that Jace, her uncle, had taught her to do to him. She felt that she could be friends with Jace. She could make him feel good like she did her uncle. And maybe he would like her more. After grabbing the mail, she slowly walked back up the steps with her back face to Jace. She was hoping he'd see her and call her name before she was forced to speak first. Maybe the kiss they shared when their fathers gambled one night would re-enter his mind like it did hers. But when he remained silent, giving Brittany his undivided attention, she knew she'd have to speak first. Turning towards him, her back faced the door and she said, Hey, Jace, and waved. Jace waved back, but his swag wouldn't allow him to do much else. 
He was a boy of few words, and that both confused and appealed to Harmony. You gonna be out all day? Harmony continued. Brittany rolled her eyes and put her hands on her hips. Maybe, he said, hunching his shoulders. Can I bounce the ball with you later? Where your uncle at? I thought you couldn't talk to boys. It's fine, she said, feeling bolder. I'm going to give my Nana the mail and I'll be right back so we can play, okay? I right, Jay smiled. Harmony made a decision that no matter what, she would do whatever she could to see him. She was tired of being bored, lonely, and scared. She needed some fun and was willing to take the chance. Even if it meant making her uncle smile again, which was the phrase he gave as molestation. Already she was learning the power of seduction. She's six, nigga. She is six. With the plan hatched in her mind, she was preparing to get Strolly to mail when she was met with a jab so strong that she was knocked down the steps. The blow caused her to fall face first into a pile of Dingo's dog shit, who as of yesterday was nowhere to be found. You okay? Khalif said. He had a crush on her, but she never noticed him. Callie's large body and stern look told her he would knock Strolly on her back if he could. Get your fat ass from in front of my house, Shirley told the boy who hadn't budged an inch. And Harmony, get up these stairs, she yelled from the top of the steps wearing only a towel, which partially exposed her stomach that was ripped to shreds because of her pregnancies. This is a hateful ass book. Like, oh. When Shirley was gone, Callie helped her off the ground. Thank you, Harmony said once on her feet. I appreciate it, Callie. She was panicky, not knowing what Shirley would do to her once inside. You alright? You want me to go inside with you? Yeah, I mean, no, I'll be fine, she said, rubbing her face. Is it true what your uncle makes you do in there? Callie asked from nowhere. Just like most kids, he could be uncouth. What you mean? My uncle's real nice to me. Oh, okay. I won't say nothing. Just asking. She hadn't told anyone about what Charles did to her, and she was nervous. Harmony was unaware that since Charles, a known sex offender, had come back to live with his mother, Shirley, that the neighborhood had been buzzing about the things he may be doing to her. But none of them, not one of them, cared enough to call the police. Or, you know, about the fact that he's... I don't know. Did they have that rule back then that you couldn't be a, a 500 yards near a school or whatever? Tasting the blood in her mouth, she grabbed the mail and walked up the stairs. When she looked to see if Jace was still there, her heart broke when she saw he wasn't. However, Caliph was. With the mail in her hands, Harmony walked inside. Now the bathroom door was closed and she knocked softly. Come in, she screamed. Once inside, Shirley said, I should have known what was taking you so damn long. Just like your mother, a whore in the making. Now put the mail on the back of the toilet bowl and get over here and wash my back. Ain't you gonna say nothing about the shit on her face? Like the dog shit she fell into? Harmony placed the mail down, walked deeper into the small yellow space and knelt to her knees. The funky, fishy smell inside the bathroom caused her stomach to churn. She saw the red washcloth floating around the tub and witnessed the water turning from a grungy gray to a dirty yellow. The bitch had pissed in the tub. Oh my God. Why you taking so long? Wash my back. Harmony grabbed the washcloth and dunked it into the toilet bath water like she was told. It took everything in her power not to throw up on her back. That's enough of that. She turned and looked at her. What you been in here doing with my son? Harmony's eyes widened. Nothing, Nana. I don't believe you, she said, wagging her finger in her face. Now you tell me the truth, or I'm going to call the police and have you locked up. You won't never be able to see that little boy from the yards across the street. Harmony didn't know what to do. Part of her wanted to tell the truth. If she did, maybe his sexual abuse will stop. He, 
He makes me kiss his thing and puts his hand between my legs and stuff. So you in here having sex with my son? No, no, Nana, he made me do it. All of a sudden, Shirley eased out the water like a Loch Ness monster. Water dripped from her body as she placed one foot outside the tub, followed by the other. Harmony backed up against the door before Shirley sat down on the edge of the tub with her legs wide open. The lips of her vagina hung like two slabs of brown chitterlings. I'm going to push through this book. I'm going to do it. It's Ratchet Book Club. I can't just pick and choose the books. I mean, I'm picking and choosing the books, but... Get over here, she said. Now. What? Harmony Phillips, you heard me. Now get over here right now. I want you to lick it for me. So the mama was a pedophile and the dad became, or no, so the, the grandmother was a pedophile. Sorry. So the uncle became a pedophile because that's what he knew. And that's why the grandma was protecting him. I want you to lick it for me. Looking at the large woman before her, Harmony felt faint. Why were all these things happening to her? All she wanted was her father and to be happy. And now it seemed as if life had turned its back on her and she was all alone in a house of monsters. When she didn't move quickly enough, Shirley walked over to her, grabbed her by her hair and pulled her towards the tub. She slid easily on the floor because it was completely wet. Shirley, she sat back on the edge of the tub. What? Shirley sat back on the edge of the tub and said, Don't make me tell you again. Lick it. With tears in her eyes, Harmony put her mouth on the inner thigh of her grandmother instead in an attempt to fool Shirley. It wasn't working. Shirley knew the feeling she was going for. After all, there it is. She had gotten Estelle and Charles to lick her vagina many times when they were her age. Pulling her pussy lips back, Shirley exposed her pink clit and said, There, lick right there. Please, Nana, I, I, I don't want to do this. Lick there. I I feel sick, Harmony said, not being able to fathom doing something so pathetically gross to her grandmother. I I feel like I'm going to throw up. Shirley got mad and slapped her again. Lick there now. No, I don't want to do it. Shirley hit her a third time so hard she knocked her out. Two hours later, when Harmony came to, she was outside in Dingo's nasty brick doghouse. Between being frightened that the animal will come back and kill her and the temperatures reaching freezing points, she prayed to die in her sleep. Shirley didn't bother to give her a coat, and she was placed there until she decided to do what Shirley wanted. Days went by with no food or water, and Harmony developed a heavy cough. Finally, on day three, Charles came to her with a hard peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of milk. Here, eat this, he said, nestling inside of his heavy coat, staring down at her. Harmony grabbed the sandwich and drank the milk quickly, fearing he would take it back from her at any time. He watched her eat the sandwich crouched inside, knowing she wanted an offer to come inside and warm up. You ready to come in now? Yes, she coughed. <laughs> Please. Charles took her to the bathroom and ordered her to take a bath. When she was done, she walked into her room and he was there waiting. It wasn't long before he fondled her again. The loud coughing didn't appear to bother him one bit. With her legs open, he dug into her vagina deeply. Now, does it change anything that this is written by a woman? Does it? Like, 
I don't, I don't know. For me, I don't know. It doesn't, but does it? Uncle Charles, she whispered, that hurts. So what do you want me to do? Stop? Yes. You know how to get me to stop? She shook her head. No, by acting like you like it. When you do that, I can come quicker. What's come? You see that clear stuff to come out of my joint when you touch it? He taught. Just the thought of his semen made her disgusted, but she knew exactly what he was talking about. Yes, I remember. But when you act like you like it by having a smile on your face and stuff like that, then I come quicker, and then I'll leave you alone. Harmony thought about what he said and didn't see any other way out. Both her grandmother and uncle wanted their way with her. She thought about telling, but didn't know any other adult she trusted or who would listen. And if someone were to take her away, where would she go? Listen, you got to do what you got to do to be all right, Harmony. You got to give people what they want from you so they'll like you more. And more than anything, you got to do what you got to do to survive. But Daddy said if I'm smart in school, I'll be able to take care of myself. And maybe he'll come back and help me. Your mom is dead and your daddy's probably dead too, he said with a scowl. Normally, he played it cool when dealing with her, but he was getting anxious and needed her mentally broken if he was going to do the things that he wanted to do to her body. My daddy not dead. He's in jail. Even if it's true, it don't matter. Nobody wants you back. They're not even trying to find out who killed your mama. Harmony knew who Irma was, but decided not to tell anyone. Listen, right now you live with me and your nana, and we both know what we want. The question is, do you? She thought about it for a minute and said, yeah, I want to be friends with Jace. I want to be able to go outside and stuff like that, she coughed. Charles frowned, but soon realized by reasoning with her, their time together would be more pleasurable for him. Well, if you want to be friends with Jace and you want to go outside, you got to do anything me and your Nana want. I, I really don't want to do what Nana wants. It's too nasty. Charles smiled and said, you won't even notice after a while. Then he appeared to mentally go somewhere else. I didn't. I can't do it. I won't do it. Then get ready to go back outside to live in the doghouse and be ready to live there for the rest of your life. Harmony finally understood her options. Putting her guards down after pleasing her uncle that night, she knocked on Shirley's door and pleased her too. And so the cycle continued for months at a time, where she would use her body to get what she wanted in life. This is also how she learned to become a woman. One day, while playing outside, she remembered what her uncle had said about knowing what she desired out of life. Sure, her and Jace were friends, but she wanted something more. Jace, do you like Brittany? She asked him, sitting on his back doorstep. She cool, why? Does she do stuff for you? What you talking about? You know, kiss you and, and touch your stuff. Nah, not really, he said, but she dresses nice and smells real good. That hurt and she knew he couldn't say the same thing about her. So she started asking Shirley and Charles for money. First, she'd ask for money for the ice cream truck. Then it was money for new clothes. What happened to the jewelry she had? I, I mean, she's sick, so it's not like she could have sold it. They probably just took it from her. First, it was money for the ice cream truck. Then it was money for new clothes. She learned how to please Shirley and Charles so well that they soon gave her everything she wanted, including alcohol. Day after day, she would suppress what she felt inside until she thought her feelings didn't matter anymore. Her impressions of life and people were distorted and her reasoning was way off. 
In the end, more damage had been done to her young mind than could ever be repaired. One afternoon, while preparing to go see Jace outside, a white man knocked on the door. Shirley answered, and he asked for Harmony, claiming to have known her father. Come in, Shirley told him. The stranger walked inside with an envelope in hand and said, I'd like to speak to her alone. Harmony knew instantly that this must be the man her father told her would come and visit. This is private, he continued. If you don't speak in front of me, you could just turn around and leave. This here is my house. I see, he said, starting to adjust his tie. Well, my name is Terrence Strong, and I'm Cornell's lawyer, he spoke calmly. Cornell, Shirley said sarcastically. We have done everything we could to get in touch with that fool. After all, I'm looking after his daughter, you know. I do. Do you? She paused. Because as you can see, she don't want for nothing. Where do you think the money's coming from? Off trees? Shirley continued, speaking of the new clothes Harmony was wearing that she licked her ass to get. And now he wants to reach out? Ma'am, I'm not here to argue with you. I'm here to tell Harmony and you that Cornell is dead. The words hit Harmony like a ton of bricks and she dropped to the floor. Hope was gone the day her uncle entered her room, but hope was lost now. Wait, what? Hope was gone the day her uncle entered the room, but hope was lost now. How is hope lost if hope was already gone? No, no. Now, he asked me to give her something, and that's what I'm here to do. So the cops finally got him, huh? The man didn't respond. Instead, he nervously handed Harmony the envelope and said, He loved you very much. Shirley snatched the envelope from her and counted $5,000. I know you're not telling me this all he gave me to take care of her. He didn't give you anything. The money belongs to Harmony. And just like that, he walked out the door. Word, that's, 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 that's the promise you made your daughter, huh? When, I, when somebody's going to come and take care of you, you're going to know that they were a friend of mine. And it's a dude who's just like, I'm going to give you $5,000 that your grandma going to snatch out your hands. And then I'm just going to dip and leave you there. Harmony had the swollen envelope filled with money in her hands for less than a minute before Shirley took it from her. However, Shirley was on to something. His lawyer managed to take everything from Cornell before his dying day. In the end, leaving Harmony with nothing for her future. Really? His lawyer got him? This is a bad book. Like, not a bad book. It's just... <sighs> Once a multimillionaire, Cornell Phillips died with not a penny to his name. Well, looks like he wasn't such a deadbeat after all, Shirley said, tucking the money in her bra. And don't you worry, girl. You keep taking care of me like you do, and I'll keep taking care of you. In a daze, Harmony shuffled her bare feet across the dirty kitchen floor and poured a glass of grape Kool-Aid from the refrigerator. Then she took a chair, pushed it in front of the fridge, climbed on top of it, and grabbed the bottle of vodka from the freezer. Hopping off the chair, she poured it into her drink and swallowed it all. Having developed a tolerance for liquor, when the Kool-Aid mixture was done, she poured another glass of vodka straight before drinking it all. And just like that, the trials and tribulations of Harmony Phillips' life began. Just like that, huh? Not not, not way before that, like all the shit her uncle put her through and shit. Present day. <laughs> Good. Hopefully all that stuff's behind us. Present day. Green Door. Adult Mental Health Care Clinic. Northwest Washington, D.C. So talk to me, Miss Phillips. Tell me, at what point in your life did everything else change? Miss Christina Zom asked, writing down notes on Harmony's health chart. 
what do you mean when did everything else change? My life's been fucked up from the very beginning. Haven't you been listening to me? Yeah, I have, Christina said, putting a few loose strands of her brown hair behind her ear. Her white skin flushed from the heat in the room. Although it was summertime, the air conditioning was broken and no one had bothered to repair it yet. And I know you know I've been listening. But why bring kids into this world when you know you hated yourself? Because I was raped as a child, I don't deserve to have children? I'm not saying that. It's just that, well, from what I read in the paper, you were so brutal with your children. I was. But why subject innocent children to a life so cold? So, everything's my fault now? I told you my life story and how I was brought up and everything, and after all that, it's still my fault? What about those who were supposed to protect me? Harmony said, pointing at herself. Her body frail from years of alcohol abuse, her face loaded with hate lines. Harmony, I don't mean to place blame, but in order to get down to the heart of the matter, I need to know the whys to some of my questions. It's through the whys that I can help you over these hurdles so that we can make a change. By change, you mean you'll stop me from drinking alcohol? Or help me love my kids? I mean we can help you change your life and everything about it. And when your life is changed, you'll be so much happier. And maybe even repair the relationship with your children. They don't want me, and I don't want them, Harmony said, looking down at her worn-out tennis shoes. When they see you change, they may. You blame me, don't you? Harmony said with raised brows. You blame me for what happened to all those people. I don't blame you for anything, Miss Zahn sighed. Already said that. So how about we start over? Tell me about your teenage years. Damn it, I thought we was out of that and into our adult years where I don't have to hear about sexual exploitation of a minor anymore. Tell me about your teenage years. How early? Take me back to your high school days. Let's start there. Part two. Part two, we only 10% into the book, damn. Summer of 1988. Southeast, Washington, D.C. Harder, stronger. Jay Surad. The basement of me and my Aunt Karen's house was dim, but bright enough for me to see five members of my seven-man crew. The only light in the room sat above the pool table, making it look greener than it actually was. The silence was heavy, and my men were staring at me. But I was looking at the nigga Bam on the pool table, tied up like a fucking hog, with ropes binding his ankles and wrists together behind his back. A red sock was stuffed in his mouth, and duct tape held it in place. When Paco moved a little, I looked at him and then all my men. I knew what they wanted from me, but I wasn't ready to bring it like that. I wasn't ready to kill. How much longer do you think we should wait? Paco, the getaway driver of my crew, asked. I mean, it ain't like we can let him go. We gotta do something. Paco was light-skinned and shorter than the rest of us, but girls thought he was cute, so he stayed with a different bra with him at all times. The only time he didn't was when we had meetings. We're going to wait until I say move, I said sternly. Now shut the fuck up. you fucking up my concentration. He huffed a little, but then leaned back against the wall with the rest of my crew. They all had guns in hand, ready. To be 17, Paco was the best nigga to have behind a steering wheel when you was in a jam. He had dreams of being a NASCAR driver and even hired Grand, Callie's uncle, to teach him how to race. I had to give it to the nigga. He was pretty good at it, too. The only thing with Paco was that he was too anxious and too impulsive to take anything seriously. So that was his downfall. 
When I looked at my tag sports watch, I wondered what was taking Callie so long. He had one job to do and he was fucking late at doing it. But 10 minutes later, he came walking downstairs with a little girl wearing a blue dress and his cousin Vaughn, who I hated. Like always, he was wearing a brown leather strap on his back with a silver hatchet inside. His favorite large army green duffel bag was in his other hand. He slept from place to place and most of the shit he owned was in the bag. He tossed it to the floor when they reached the bottom step. Callie maintained his hold of the girl by her forearm until she shook him off and ran to her father on the pool table. Me, Paco, Krayshawn, Herb Dayo, and Six Cents all stood up straight and moved towards him. This wasn't in the plan, so what was she doing here? And why was this nigga Vaughn with him? Vaughn, get the fuck out of my basement, cuz, I said. Nigga, what? He said, gripping his tool. My men closed in on him, and Vaughn looked at us like he wanted to bust off, but he wasn't that stupid. Cousin, I'm going to be upstairs, he said to Callie, gritting on us. Let me know when you're ready to roll. Callie was already explosive, but Vaughn was his detonator. When he went upstairs, I addressed my attention to Callie. Fuck is up, young, I said, looking at the kid. You were supposed to bring his partner, the nigga that ganked us. Why you got shouty? And what the fuck is Vaughn doing with you? He drove the car for me to get away. You know I don't fuck with that nigga, I reminded him. So now he knows all our business? He family, Jay. He ain't saying shit. Fuck that. What's up with the kid? And where's Star? I couldn't find him, Callie said. The seven-year-old girl hugged her father around the neck as we waited on Callie's response. Although Bam's mouth was bound, I could tell by the way his body jerked that he was crying. He ain't like seeing his kid here no more than we did. Daddy, what's going on? Why they take me from school, she sobbed. Why won't they let me go? I want my mommy. Bam, who we kidnapped a few hours earlier, looked at us with pleading eyes. But this shit was his fault. Had he and Star not hit our stash house, he wouldn't be in this situation. Yo, bitch, shut the fuck up before I put something to your ass, Callie yelled at the girl. Screaming all up in my man's crib, I'm sick of hearing your mouth. You don't tell me what to do. You don't tell me to do nothing, she screamed back. Enraged, Callie rushed up to the girl and smacked her in the mouth with the butt of his gun. Blood splashed all over the dress she was wearing and dampened the rug. Now her DNA was everywhere. Who the fuck you talking to, he said, aiming his gun at her head. The barrel pressed firmly against her temple. He talked to her as if she were a nigga on the street who had just shorted him of his money. I will blow your motherfucking head off. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was already having a problem killing a nigga who was into me for 20 grand, but killing a kid was out of the question. Callie, I whispered, walking up behind him, putting a hand on his shoulder. You need to put that shit down, man. You're not about to kill no kid in my crib. The little girl was shaking, scared, and Ben was trying to get himself untied and off the table. He was doing a pretty good job of it, too, until Paco hit Bam on the head with the back of his gun. The rest of my men provided cover. This little bitch been giving me and Vaughn shit since we got here, he said, still aimed, the gun shaking in his hand. One wrong move and she would have a bullet in her head. Callie, put the fucking gun down, I yelled. Now! Callie looked at the little girl and then at me. Herb, you on it? You know it, he said, holding this forty-five automatic in position in case I needed him to smoke Callie. Callie looked at him but listened to me. I'm not going to ask you again, man. Finally, he lowered his weapon and tucked his gun in his waist. 
The little girl held onto her mouth, and judging by the way her jaw shifted, I knew it was broken. So you was really going to shoot me? He asked Herb Dale. Herb put the gun back in his waist and remained silent. The fuck is going on, Callie? I'm sorry, man. I, I, I took shit too far with the kid, he said, pacing the floor. You always saying how I'll be fucking up, and then I go fuck up again, he continued, bashing himself like he normally did. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's like I be meaning to keep shit 100, but when shit don't go my way, I lose it. Callie, what the fuck is she doing here? I said, bringing him back to what's important. And where's Star? Someone told the nigga we was on the way, so we left town. And then I remembered you and Tony Watt talking about Bam having a daughter. So I found out what school she went to, picked her up, and brought her here. This nigga gotta give us our product now. We've been torturing this nigga for an hour, and he still said he ain't got shit, Herb Dale said. I gotta believe he telling the truth. Herb was light-skinned and good with washing money. He was older than us, especially me and Callie, who were only 17. Bringing the kid here was stupid, Six Sense said, and I know somebody saw you. Six Sense has some good senses, hence the nickname. But like most niggas, he had his downfall. He smoked a lot of weed, but was good with scoping out scenes. So before we made a move, we sent him in to check things out first. We did that every time we moved to Stash House until last week. Had we done it, Star and Ben wouldn't have gotten us for our product and money. Sixth other downfall was that he was an ugly nigga who hung with that gay nigga from 58th, Barry, although he think we ain't know it. Nah, they'll probably think it's somebody out Maryland or that dude to be raping and killing them kids. Nigga, you kidnapped her with a hatchet on your back. I know somebody saw you, Paco persisted. Callie, ain't nobody gonna make a lot of fuss if a dope boy come up missing. But a kid is a whole nother story, Crayshawn added. Crayshawn was tall, lanky, and sly. He had some shit with him. I just couldn't put my finger on it. But he was good with collecting the money from the soldiers on my squad. On time, all the time. So I kept him around. I know for a fact ain't nobody see me. How? Six Sense added. You fucked up before and we had to clean up behind you. You ain't about to give me no shit again. And what about fingerprints? Did you touch anything? Herb Dale asked. No, I don't think. I can't remember. Well, I'm with sick. Herb Dale added. You ain't about to get me in no shit neither. If you're a member of this crew and you getting from this crew, then you already in some shit, I said, looking at my men. All of you. We in this together. When I heard or saw no more objections, I redirected my attention to Callie. Go upstairs and make sure that nigga Vaughn not in my house, I told him. I'm sorry, man. For real. As he was walking up the stairs, Herb said, we got to get rid of that nigga, Jace. He a liability. Callie's footsteps stopped and we all looked at Herb crazy. If Callie heard him, it could cause a serious fight on top of everything else we had going on down here. But when he continued to walk up the stairs, I knew he didn't hear him. With Callie gone, I took the tape off Bam's mouth and tried to talk some sense into him. Please, let my daughter go. Please don't hurt her no more. I don't want to hurt her, but I need to know where my product is. You stealing from me made shit hot with my peeps and now I owe. Where am I shit? And I let both of you go. Both of you. I don't know, he sobbed. On my life, I would tell you if I knew. I looked at my men and knew we were all thinking the same thing. He was telling the truth. Problem was, it ain't matter. I put the tape back on his mouth and tried to get my mind together. 
If I didn't kill this nigga and his kid too, I was going to lose respect from my squad and my pops. I never took a life before, and I didn't want to start today. I decided to walk away from the situation for a moment and consult with the one person I could always count on. Southeast, Washington, D.C. Five-year pussy plan. Harmony Phillips. So let me make sure I got this straight. Both of these niggas' parents are drug dealers. Right? Yes. Okay, cool. But Jace is the one who gets the cool-ass story about being a gangster and, and, and stash houses and all that kind of stuff. And Harmony is just being sexually assaulted to the point where she has a plan to get Jace through having sex. I'm sure that's what the five-year pussy plan is. It ain't. It can't have nothing to do with her, her, her grandma and her uncle who've been molesting her crazy. But I ain't going to read that shit right now because the shit is like 46 minutes long. That's an episode within itself. What I am going to say is I'm going to keep pushing through this book. I am. It's going to be tough. Uh, but if I can read Precious, I can read this. I ain't, I ain't read Precious for this show, but. And again, I don't know if knowing that a woman wrote this book makes it any different. Let me know. Like, does it make it different? Like, I don't know. I'm feeling in my heart like it does, but I can't explain why. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 916-633-1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter Ratchet Book Club on Facebook You can leave a review on Spotify It takes like 13 seconds You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app You can donate to the show at Patreon.com slash Single Simulcast One dollar will get you a ton of content uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name,